Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So welcome to Dive Matthew, where we're going to be doing 28 chapters of Matthew in 28 days. For the first study, you're going to want to download our dive guide at www.divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. Dive studies are our version of inductive Bible study. This particular study of Matthew was the first one we did back in 2019. I hosted that dive guide in a different format on a different website at the time, but now if you want to join in and see how to do a dive study before committing to join us live, you'll want to go ahead and go to divecollective.org to download and get started. So we're going to go ahead and read through the 15th chapter of Matthew. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read it, you can go ahead and do that now. You'll want to join back in at approximately 5 minutes and 10 seconds. Then Jesus was approached by Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem who asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, Why do you break God's commandment because of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, Whoever tells his father or mother, Whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple. He doesn't have to honor his father. In this way, you have nullified the word of God because of your tradition. Hypocrites! Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Summoning the crowd, he told them, Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came up and told him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They're blind guides. And if the blind guide blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. Then Peter said, Explain this parable to us. Do you still lack understanding? He said, Don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes on to the stomach and is eliminated? But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a person. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are all the things that defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. When Jesus left there, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, Send her away, because she's crying out after us. He replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came, knelt before him, and said, Lord, help me. He answered, It isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. 
Then Jesus replied to her, Woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was healed. Moving on from there, Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee. He went up on a mountain and sat there, and large crowds came to him, including the lame, the blind, the crippled, those unable to speak, and many others. They put them at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd was amazed when they saw those unable to speak talking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they gave glory to the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, otherwise they might collapse on the way. The disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in this desolate place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked them. Seven, they said, and a few small fish. After commanding the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. They collected the leftover pieces, seven large baskets full. Now there were 4,000 men who had eaten, besides women and children. After dismissing the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. So I focused on the Gentile mother's faith, the faith, the Canaanite woman. I wrote, number one, that Jesus was withdrawing farther from the Sea of Galilee. Uh, number two, a Canaanite woman came to plead for her daughter. The daughter was possessed by a demon. I wrote an observation that Gentiles recognized demon possession. So at that time, right now, nowadays, we don't talk about demon mm-hmm. possession at all. I can't imagine that it's not still a thing but Mm -hmm. in there I wonder what they identified that's interpretation but I wonder what they identified as demon possession Mm -hmm. number five woman continuously yelled after the disciples which was annoying them number six the disciples asked Jesus to send her away number seven Jesus outright ignored her number eight Jesus explains why he says he was sent to the last sheep of Israel Um, the woman kneels before Jesus in worship Actually, nope, the woman kneels before Jesus. I wrote in parentheses, was that worship? Number 10, Jesus compares Israelites to the Canaanites, saying that the Israelites are children, Canaanites are dogs. Number 11, the woman argues that the dogs always still get to take part in the scraps of the meal. Number 12, Jesus recognizes her great faith and grants her request. So those are all those observations really kind of played into my interpretations that I took from it. One interpretation was that the woman was persistent and she wouldn't be ignored. I love that. Mm-hmm. This woman was so desperate for her child. I, that's the kind of desperation action you would take if it was your child that was right. in need. She was persistent, so persistent that she was annoying the very person and people that she needed help from. Mm-hmm. There's several different passages that sort of talk about that, but I love that reminder that persistence matters. Number two, Jesus came to the Israelites and not to the Gentiles. Um, He supposedly, the Israelites were waiting for Jesus, and Jesus was there to reveal himself to them. So a Gentile wouldn't necessarily understand the history that Jesus was coming to fulfill mm-hmm. or the law that Jesus was coming to fulfill was not what the Gentiles were familiar with. Yeah. So Jesus's purpose at that time was to be the fulfillment of the law for a people that would have understood the law. So for the centurion 
or for this woman to come to Jesus asking for healing. They were literally asking for just that healing. What I did notice that I find interesting was that this girl, before there was a sickness in the centurion's servant, but this girl was actually demon-possessed. So mm-hmm. the interesting, I just noticed it. I don't think I actually made an interpretation or an application about that, but I do find it interesting that what we're dealing with is a spiritual matter rather than a physical one. She also calls him son of David, which makes me wonder if she recognized. Like you're saying, she this is more She's spiritual. She's a Gentile. Yeah, mm-hmm. she, I just think that's interesting that she says, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. That's a that's a Jewish history thing. Yeah, and a Jewish so, word to call him Lord right, and son of David. Right. right. She must have some knowledge of him. Mm-hmm. Or some knowledge of the history, I guess is what I'm meaning to say there. I noticed that she takes a position of worship. The kneeling would have been a position of worship um, and acknowledges that while she may be a dog, she resides in the house of children. I may be a dog, but I'm in the same house yeah, as, get to eat there. as your people. Yeah. yeah. And he says, so she wants to reap some of the benefits of the family of God just by being a part of the household. So I find that to be interesting. So she's kind of like, I belong to you by default, even if I am just a dog. Mm-hmm. So then Jesus acknowledges that she must, to some degree, share the fruit, um, share the faith that he is looking for in those that he heals. And I think that's a really great observation. The son of David part... She calls him Lord. She calls him the son of David. She kneels before him. And I, I think that fits into that same interpretation. There must have been some, there seems to be some signs that she she relates to or identifies to some degree with the faith of, mm-hmm. Israel, of Israel. So that makes me wonder whether she does indeed receive, when her daughter is healed, if she does receive some of that soul healing yeah. that we talk about. More than that, just physical. That idea that, because I think even in the other book, this is sort of how I'm thinking through things. Like as I, I make the observations, I make these interpretations, and I make these connections during the interpretation phase. And I, as I think of the story of the centurion even, isn't his whole house um, mm-hmm. I think saved? I don't think it's in Matthew, but I think there's another passage. Oh, a different centurion, not the one that comes and asks is it a Jesus different? to come to his house. I don't know. I Remember think it's a different Matthew, gospel. The centurion in Matthew is the one that asks Jesus to come and heal his servant. Right. Um, and he heals him from a long way off. Right. So then the other story is the centurion and his whole house. Is that what you're talking about? I'm wondering if it's the same centurion in a different gospel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, it makes me wonder whether that's worth thinking about. These are all the, This is how that works for me. Is mm-hmm. that Then I would dig into and I would look at the centurion or the, the other story where I believe that I have heard that there was a centurion whose household was saved right through the healing of his his whole household was saved is that the little girl i think it might have been the little girl i think it was yeah but it makes me wonder that are they kind of the same story but told differently because it's two different accounts you know how that happens the secondary details are a little bit different at any rate my point is is that doesn't seem like jesus ever heals people for unless there's and there's an element of faith, right? The, well, faith is certainly the element that he emphasizes. But like I was talking about with that liver thing, like there's, and certainly he heals and people don't receive it. But I think that the goal in healing is always that there's a deeper mm-hmm. heart healing or cleansing that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would be my application, actually. May we never forget how fortunate that we are to be included by grace into the kingdom of God. 
this idea made me think of this woman who separated or all of these people who Jesus considered separate from the Israelites because they had never known. Yeah, because they didn't know the law. And then what Jesus actually came to do was give grace to the entire world. Those Mm -hmm. that know the law and don't know the law. There's so many people, you know, we'll even, we even had somebody comment in the group that they don't know enough about the Old Testament. Well, it's kind of a foreign concept to people that didn't grow up in the Jewish faith. That's Mm -hmm. understanding that whole Jewish law and how Jesus uh, fulfills all of it mm-hmm. is complicated and complex unless you've really spent some time mm-hmm. thinking about it. We didn't have to know all of that. We just, by grace, get adopted in to the kingdom just through faith alone. Did you, you sound like you wanted to say something? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think because as people, it's possible to recognize when God is working in us and the Spirit is drawing us to Him, He's going to show us that we need him. That can be done whether we are fully aware of the law that the Israelites kept or not. Like mm-hmm. that faith and that repentance is still a work of the spirit. The law can help shed light on that uh-huh. and and maybe make your understanding a little bit deeper of how desperately you needed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows how personally depraved they are. When they are, yes. when they encounter the spirit of God, you can't encounter the spirit of God and not realize how depraved you are all right. alone. Right. And so you can automatically receive that salvation just because of your own personal depravity and realizing that you need a savior mm-hmm. and then accepting it. And you can have that completely separate from having any understanding of the history of our Mm -hmm. depravity. And I think that that's where that Old Testament, knowledge of the Old Testament just makes your faith richer. Yes. Not more qualified. Mm -hmm. There's a richness to understanding that God's story that he's written from the beginning of time is just beautiful. So there's really just more of an appreciation of Mm -hmm. the artwork of our creator. And it just brings so much glory to him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All of creation, all of the story brings so much glory to him. It doesn't change anything about our own personal salvation that has only mm-hmm. to do with our own singular depravity before mm-hmm. him. Skipping a few applications, one that I really love is that we don't actually have to bring our demon-afflicted loved ones to Jesus for him to heal them. We don't actually have to bring them to church. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they don't mm-hmm. have to, In order for them to receive healing, we don't have to take them to church on Sunday. Like We can take them to Jesus, and Jesus can restore them. Mm-hmm and heal them and save them from a far way Mm -hmm. off. I think that that's, that's a neat point because I think sometimes we feel like, oh, I really want to, I want my friend to be saved. And so then we try to bring them to Jesus as opposed to coming to Jesus on their behalf for them. Yeah. So that I think is a neat application. That's great news. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of Inductive Bible Study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.